0: Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, the sad part about that is that he is the answer and he is the help. And billions of people don't want him. That's right. What can you do? So you've got a cure for sin. You've got a cure for all the heartaches and troubles of the world. And yet the world would rather go on and live and where they are than to have the cure. So what do we do? We go on, accept the care for ourselves, and pray they'll come to their senses. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm sure after I preached on stress and tension last Sunday that everybody has had just about a nearly perfect week with no stress, right? One of the brothers told me this week, What are you doing preaching on tension? Leave that stuff alone. You're just creating more stuff. Well the Deacon brothers told me I needed to preach at least once a month. But I did find out it was something we could all relate to pretty much. Amen. Well, I'll tell you, the world we live in versus the world we're from and the world we're going to is so much different. Shall we walk again in that contrast tonight? Revelation twenty two twelve. I know it seems strange to you think why in the world would he read them scriptures about the tree of life and, and the gates and then go to where we are now? Well make you a little more homesick, honey. Make you want to get rid of this old world. Behold I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life. And may enter in through the gates and to the city. See what we're doing now is actually living out to the fulfillment of verse 14. Blessed are they that do. That's what we're doing every day. We're doing his commandments commandments. Amen. Amen. How many would like to be remembered tonight in prayer before the Lord? Let's just bow our heads together if you would. Father, it's such a wonderful opportunity again to be in your presence, Lord. Just back in the office, Lord, hearing the saints sing and worship and praise you. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I realize Saturday night is a big night for the devil and his group. Lord, they can't wait, many of them, for the weekend to arrive and they can get drunk and get all doped up and do whatever they do on the weekend. Lord Jesus, how grateful we are tonight that there's another life inside of us. It does not crave morphine. It does not crave pills and alcohol and all those things. But Lord, it longs for you. It hungers and thirsts and desires your righteousness, Lord Jesus. As we approach you tonight, Father, through the channel of prayer, we ask that you would help us, Lord. We're standing in need tonight, as always, but yet, Father, we're so grateful that we have you we can come to with our needs, our desires, our petitions, and know that you hear us when we pray. As we endeavor to pull back the pages of the Word of God, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, those things which are necessary and essential. We truly desire to be the fulfillment of verse 14. We know that your prophet has taught us, for those that are truly born again, the tree of life is already blooming in them. So we know when we get to heaven, when we get to paradise, that natural tree of life blooming in our yard is only a shadow of what has been taking place here in life. You have been blooming your own virtue, your own nature, your own character and ways out of us. Help us, Father. Then, Lord, we ask you that you be mindful of those that are sick and needy. Lord, just hearing from Brother Jonathan Benton just a a little bit ago, Father, before coming out and bringing Sister Wilma home today and the doctor sent her home on hospice and As far as the time they give her, Lord, it's not very long, but yet, Father, we're still looking to you and asking that your will be done. That's the most important thing to us. Our sister Jane Terrell as well, we pray, Father, that you'd be mindful of her tonight. Brother Gene, others' needs in their bodies, Lord, and their lives, just help us tonight, we ask, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So where we're going, nobody has a headache, nobody is stressed, nobody is sick, nobody is tired, weary, upset, no threat of their electricity ever being cut off, no water No sewer, no bad neighbors, you don't need fences, no bad neighbors, nobody's ever gonna be angry, mad, Been out of shape, or lose their temper. Nobody will ever be stressed, nervous, under pressure. Nobody will ever say anything out of the way, just even one little bit. You and I will never feel uncomfortable around anybody. Of all the millions of inhabitants in that city and in the earth, we will never feel intimidated. We will never feel inadequate. We will never feel unwelcomed. We will never feel like that we don't fit. Anybody ever just feel like you don't fit in life and in places and families and so on and so on and so on? There will never be none of that that will ever be there. Oh my goodness, why do we have to stay here another minute? And yet to contrast that with where we are to where that this world every day is becoming more an unfit place for us to live. By the sin, by the debauchery, by the evil, by politics, by politicians, by church, by all the sins and the evil of the age that we live in, and I'm sure that you probably heard it, some of the presidential candidates just this week were asked questions that if the churches and the different colleges of religious backgrounds and religious beliefs did not be able to go along and marry the homosexual, did the presidential Candidates feel like they should be stripped of their nonprofit status, and the presidential candidate said yes. That's some of your all's party. Now we can see where they're going to go. So, what does it do? It creates more tension. So, would we worry about the IRS or the big guy up here? What does it do? Creates more tension. Now, let us read this one again, this quote, because it's so tremendous. Uh, we're living in a neurotic age, nervous tension. Everybody's racing here, going there, and going nowhere. Now, isn't that like the people of the age we're living in? That they're racing here, so they're not moving along like the sloths. And I realize that there are slothful people. A lot of them drive up and down the Milligan Highway. And on Max Jet Road. And they, they drive. Oh, they do on your street too. Okay. All right. So there are people there. As a matter of fact, I got behind one the other day and, and uh, I was driving and Carol was laughing at me because I was sloth driving. So I was moving so slow and I was turning this and Carol was just getting down on the other side. It was better that than just running over the person in front of me. So I thought that was a lot nicer. <laughs> But all of this adds to the tension and the stress of the day that we're living in. Does it not? And yet there's something in us that has already had a foretaste and a deposit of the tree of life, the water of life, the crown of life, the king of life. All of that has already been deposited down inside of us and we actually are allowed by the grace of God weekly to taste of the benefits of that kingdom. So it's almost like an appetizer as it was almost something that God lets us taste and then we pull back into the world of reality and see what it is around us to live every day and the prophet said everybody's racing here going there and going nowhere it's that kind of an age and I know this church should be plagued with it as everywhere is plagued with it the tabernacle is plagued with it everywhere the whole world in a day of pressure hurry hurry hurry, hurry up and wait. Drive 90 miles an hour and then to get home for supper and wait two hours till it gets ready. That's right. It's the time and then that rushing and speeding gets you to a nervous tension. I went out yesterday morning to get my hair cut coming back from Brother Skip's barber shop, come up to the road there where Brother Lenny and Sister Lois live at I'm coming down to there minding my own business, heading home and I see this little black vehicle setting there there the road where it comes out by the house where they live I'm coming up to there normal speed within the speed limit all of a sudden this person darts out of that road right up in front of me oh my goodness it happened so fast and I slam on my brakes I have block in the back of my truck they slam from the back of my truck up to the very front of my truck everything in my truck that is loose is now airborne and this person's coming right at me you know. and I'm thinking oh Lord Jesus have mercy on me and I swerve over to the right and I'm braking at the same time and this old man God bless his little old heart (laughs) Oh my goodness, so I finally pull up, Brother Dave, and I swear off of the road, and I'm about 18 inches to 24 inches from slamming right into his side, and finally he wakes up, or comes to himself. And then he breaks and stops. Apparently my angel had to nearly knock him on the head with a (laughs) sledgehammer. Oh, I tell you, I put my angel on overtime anyway a lot of time, bless his heart. But I'm so grateful. But you know what it done? It did not make me leave that occasion happy. It did not create this awesome feeling of joy. It made me nervous the rest of the day. Why? Because it creates attention. Now, I can assure you, I was not the only one that was left tense by that situation because I did not honk my horn, I did not get out and smack his jaws, I did not do anything like that, but I just simply swerved around the old man and get an eye-to-eye view with him, you know, on this little bitty old black Ford that he's in, and I go around and as I'm going up the road heading home, I'm looking through my rearview mirror and this poor old man is still sitting in the middle of the road not doing anything. So I figure he just about had a heart attack or his blood pressure bottomed out. I don't know what happened to the poor old guy. So I figured the tension was both ways and I thought about the poor guy I don't know how many times and you know old people generally the ones that text like a lot of young people are and apparently he had both hands on the steering wheel and his eyes looked to be about that big around whenever I come up so who knows exactly what he was doing but you realize now every day of our life probably most of you go to Walmart you never even pray God watch over me and my children as we go out many of you get in the car you go to work you don't even think about it oh my goodness You don't even ask for the protection of the Lord. I imagine you're grateful tonight, Sister Joanne, you and Sister Linda, God's sparing your life, being hit this week also by a car wreck. Look, friend, if you think you can just take it for granted, it might ought to make us pray a little more than what we do. So what is it? It's a very epitome of what the prophet was talking about. Can you imagine now, in 1962, most of these quotes that we're gonna read, that's where it's from. And it was a time whenever there wasn't near as many automobiles on the road, and the automobiles didn't move as fast. People were not nearly as distracted then as they are today. And you imagine that he said it was unsafe to drive on the road in 1962. What about in the year 2019, almost 2020? So you imagine then in our minds that it is worse than it's ever been before. Now, as the day goes on, I go into a certain business. I've been there a couple times before. And I needed something done for this gentleman to repair something for me. So I go in there and I ask him, can he do it for me? He said, yes, he can do it. So then as I'm going to pay the man for the job that he, that he did for me, he's sending that at the counter. His phone rings. He said, you mind if I answer this? I said, no, sir, it's fine. So he answers the phone. He turns his back to me. I hear him say, Donnie Reagan, pastor Happy Valley Church. I'm thinking, oh, my Lord. (laughs) I know the guy, casually met him a couple of times. So he comes back over and he said, "Uh, that was my wife. I said, oh, okay. He said, "Uh, we had some words this morning. I said, oh, really? He said, yes, we did. He said, you see, her brother is really sick. And my mother is really old. And we're having to take care of both of them. And it creates such tension between us. He said that we had words, and I've been waiting for a call from her all morning. And I said, well, buddy, we're living in a nervous age. This age is so tense. And he said, I told her I was sorry." and he said, Donnie, he said, I need to be a better man. I need to be a better husband. I thought, well, praise God, he's preaching back to me now so he said I I need to be a better man he said you know how it is you just say them words and you just later you regret it and I said yeah I I know how it is buddy I said but you know the Lord can help us if we'll let him he said I know he can I know the Lord can help us and he 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 gave him the money for what he had done for him and he reached across the counter and hugged me across the counter and said thank you so much for coming in so now look, here we're, we're talking about people that are not what, who we are, that don't believe what we believe, who don't see maybe what we see. But yet everybody that you look at, whether they are denominational people, whether they are sinners, don't even have any profession at all, they're feeling tension, they're feeling stress, they're feeling it one way or another. The Republicans are scared to death that Trump's going to be impeached. I say if he broke the law, impeach. I say if the Democrats is making up a bunch of rhetoric, impeach them. I'm for truce. don't care who wins I'm for truth I'm not a politician well some of you nearly swallowed your false teeth didn't you but you see what that does it creates tension on people it creates worry oh what are we going to do what about the stock market what about this what about that and it creates such tension in the lives of individuals and then you have the pressure that only real children of God can feel then you have the pressure that only the elect of God feel, which is the highest pressure of any human being on the face of the earth today. Now, I want you to notice that Brother William said, in that rushing and speeding, it gets you to a nervous tension. The wife say something a little contrary. You want to fire off and the temper and the husband say something and you'll pat your foot and tell him to get in the room see well now husband I don't want no words with you get out of here go out of here Why? I'm so nervous see why what's the matter all this together this tension building up then the results of it is doing something wrong and acting out of place now for the world they will kill they will lose their temple they will do all of that most of you Christians are not going to do anything to that extreme but tension can still cause children to God to say things that they shouldn't have said. It can cause you to lose your temper and become angry. Praise the Lord. It can cause you to be very tense and very upset and nervous with it. Why are you folks looking at me like y'all don't understand what I'm saying tonight? Now notice this is what Satan knows about all of us That even though we may be the elect of God That we are still subject to these areas of our life But I want to tell you tonight that we have a city of refuge Now heaven of course is the city of eternal refuge By which the elect of God will be permanent residence But there were given cities of refuge in the Old Testament and that was for the purpose that if you was working with a man and your axe head flew off and that axe head accidentally hit that man in the head and killed a man or some other accident, you were working with some somebody and there was no ill between you and him before, that God told Moses, I want you to designate certain cities here and there and there. Put them all over the land of Israel. And then whenever the slayer of the blood, which was the just one to come back, and to take your life then this man would be looking for you his family would come and tell you they were working together and he killed my brother he killed my husband so the slayer would come around and he would go to looking well you knew you were a fugitive you had no place to go except the city of refuge which was the closest one to the place where you live then you took off running you was a fugitive you run with every Everything you could. It was a manner of time until the family members would have the slayer or the avenger of blood looking for you. You imagine this did not create attention and a pressure. You laze around. Well, I'll take my time. I'm John Doe. You know, I'm a big man of the city. It don't make no difference how big you are. The avenger of the blood is going to be looking for you now whenever you would take off can you imagine in your mind and in your thinking that yes you did take this man's life you were working together on a job and he accidentally fell and it might seem as if though that it was your fault but you never intended to do it you had no ill will toward the man and it can be proven because the elders of the city are actually going to judge your case and they will actually bring the witnesses there was there ever any known instance between you and this man And if you are innocent, they will say no, absolutely not. He never said anything. He never done anything But all this is weighing on you Well, let me tell you something friend. We have a city of refuge now and hereafter What I just read to you from the book of Revelation is our city of eternal refuge when this life is over But until this life is over we die or we are changed We also have another place of refuge Which is Christ Jesus. The hounds of hell are as it were in this day was all the things that they can muster up and Satan knows this is his last hour and he has but a little season. He cannot get the people of God but he can try to put them under such pressure and such frustration and cause such worry and sickness in their bodies and all kinds of things and cause them to mess up and do things that they shouldn't do because we make decisions under pressure that we normally would not make because physically it has a physical effect upon our blood, upon our cells, upon our muscles, upon different parts of our bodies. It affects our brain waves. It affects the way we think. Many of you understand what I'm saying, don't you? Whenever you and I have made decisions under pressure and you think if I would have only thought that through a little more, I would have never done that. I don't know why I decided to go that way instead of that way. I knew better than that. But What did it? Pressure. And when the pressure is turned up against you, then it causes us to make them things more frequently unless we know where the city is. Now, if we know where our city of refuge is, then everything inside of that city is ours. Praise God. If we have that city of refuge and we can go to that refuge then redemption is there. Forgiveness is there. Peace is there. We can have peace knowing that slayer cannot kill me because I am innocent. How can you be innocent when you have taken the life of a man? Well you see that's part of the mystery of the city of refuge that you might in your memory you might relive that axe head flying off and hitting that man and you walking over and looking at that man and raising him up and blood streaming down his face and he catches his last breath while in your arms and you know you are responsible for that but you also know you never intended to do so can't you understand that's where we are was the past memory of our past life and our past sins we remember this and that and the other about what we've done but we've also got to accept the challenge of this. I never done that that was not me hallelujah in the first place I never done that amen that was that old union that was that old marriage I am now in the city of refuge and somehow by God's grace he has forgiven me and declared me innocent my mind might remember getting drunk my mind might remember some of those things but I have found refuge in the city of God and in the city of God I am innocent. Praise Praise be to God. Oh don't you appreciate that? notice the prophet said all this together this tension building up then the results of it is doing something wrong and acting out of place that's right now it'll make the poor act that way watch how he brings it across every straight of rich poor right and wrong whoever they are it'll make the poor act that way it'll make the middle class act that way it'll make the rich act that way it'll make the wrong act that way it'll make pretty good act that way it'll make the good act that way so pretty much everybody the only ones that ain't gonna act this way are those that are dead All the rest of us, we stand on the same plane. Now, I know we don't like to hear this because there's a part of us that is supernatural and has ascended into the land of the heavenlies, into the realm of the Holy Ghost, and that is our soul, but our body is not yet there. Our body is what feels this stress and this tension and our spirit. Notice he said, because it's tension. Steam built up, and you got to blow it out somewhere, see. And if you don't, you blow the boulder up. Now, we find that it builds up as the day goes. Goes, you talk to your boss if you're working oh so and so and speak to the kitty. come in your mama where is it at bills up oh you feel like you're gonna your head's gonna come off I know I'm with it now wait a minute ain't this the same man that said he'd been drunk every day since he got the Holy Ghost wow so the same man that was drunk every day on the Holy Ghost also dealt with pressure, every day felt like his head was coming off. How can you be both? Easy. You're a trinity. If you look at what God said in Genesis 1, he looked at it Wednesday night, let us make man after our image, and then you will look at a man, you will see a miniature form, the reflection of the Godhead. You will see you are a trinity of beings, yet you're not three persons. How many has a soul tonight? A spirit, a body? Is that three realms? Are you three people? Are you saying, wait a minute, Jesus talked to the Father. Does your soul talk to your spirit? Does your soul talk to your body? Come on, answer me. Does your soul tell your body, we're going to church tonight, and your body says, I'm too tired? And the soul says, shut up and get your clothes on. We're going to the house of God. Praise the Lord. And then you get there and your soul says, I want to worship God. And you say, but you don't know how tired my arms are. I said, get them arms up in the air. Let's worship God. Clap your hands. Shout to the voice of triumph. What is it? It is your soul communicating to your body. Well, praise the Lord. Notice when the Lord Jesus prays, is he praying to, the same one you pray to, that invisible spirit God that lives inside of your body? Amen. Oh, but Brother Donnie, there's things you can say about the Son you can't say about the Father. I agree with that. Like there's things you can say about my soul that you can't say about my spirit, which you can't say about my body. Amen. But I'm not three Donnie Reagans. Lord, have mercy. i got enough to answer for being one. My less been three praise the Lord but yet there's three separate distinct units about me compiled together make one complete me this is the image by which God made man after let us make man after our image singular not plural so it was spirit and body and here was the man himself and that reflection on the earth so our soul totally redeemed this is why the Holy Ghost can speak to us like he did on Wednesday night and come back on Saturday night and come 300-987 7 billion miles from walking out there in eternity and come right back down in a nervous age of tension and worry and trouble. Why? Because he speaks to you some services to that soul realm. Other services he'll speak to that spirit realm. Other services he'll speak to that body. Then other services he covers all three and a little more in the same service. So you see he is so mindful of who we are, what we are, where we're going and what we're dealing with as we're on our journey. Aren't you glad we have a father like that? Oh my, this is why I want to always be able to preach the full gospel. Not just the gospel to the soul, the gospel to the spirit but the gospel to the whole man. Now, notice this, Brother Branham said, I'm with it every day. Thank you so much, Prophet of God, for saying that. Because there are people that would like to let us know and make us to believe that Brother Branham never had no battles, never had no trials, don't you tell me that. I've done read too many of the quotes. He had ups and downs, he had heartaches, he had troubles, he had sorrow, he had disappointments, and he had failures. And he had mistakes. I truly believe we're just facing some great event. I I trust it's the coming of the Lord. Because we know that something has to give away. The world is under too much tension. And there's something wrong. Everyone knows that and I believe we're facing some great thing and I believe with all of my heart that it's the second coming of the Lord Jesus. I trust he'll pour out his spirit upon us and will reveal to us the things that we should do to be prepared for his coming. So what does it do? It puts more tension. How many longing for the coming of the Lord? And what does that do to you? Creates more tension. Notice again, who do you say this is? Look at the world today. What a tension the whole world lives in. Oh my. You go down the street, it's not even safe to drive. Amen. It's not safe to be on a four-lane highway, or a two-lane, or a one-lane, or sometimes your own driveway. Praise the Lord. Everybody's at attention, snapping. What's the matter? Here's the answer. Quiet now. Where are you going? That's what's making the insane institutions fill up. That's what's got the church in such a turmoil. They're so headbound on a certain thing, they won't stop and consider God's word, and they are living all under a strain and a tension. Actually what Brother Branham, whenever he really started taking this turn in 1962, preaching the messages entitled, Letting Off the Pressure. Where it came from was that Brother Branham always wanted a Weatherby Magnum rifle. Now Roy Weatherby, for probably many of you, Roy Weatherby was a man who loved to shoot and he loved to hunt, and he he thought in a different pattern as far as ballistics and power and all that of how that a shell would be able to operate. Now, many men, they're satisfied like me, a simpleton. I just, you know, I'm satisfied using a 270 or something that's pretty much common to everybody. You can go to any gun store and buy But there are other men who like to tweak with the ballistics of a bullet and a shell so they think if there's a way that they could take a smaller bullet and put it in a bigger shell now the shell would be the bigger housing which would hold the cap and be able to hold the powder that they could get a flatter trajectory now the trajectory is the way the bullet will fall way that it'll go flat before it starts falling down at so many yards so Roy Weatherby in 1944, he started working and tinkering with this this cartridge, and it was called a 257. Now there was a man by the name of Roberts, which had already made a 257 Roberts, as it was called, and he took a 25 caliber bullet and he took a 30 caliber shell and necked it down. Now what that means was it all based from a basically a 375 H and H, which would be about the size of my finger here, something like that, but it reduced the size and length and then made the neck smaller. So instead of making it where it would hold a 30 caliber bullet he necked it down and made it where it would hold a 25 caliber bullet. Now you've got more powder, more power but a smaller bullet which will produce longer, flatter trajectory before you begin to lose and it'll fall off. Now Roy Weatherby started tinkering with this and these guys who do this are called wildcatters. So they will come up with a wildcat cartridge. You brothers that shoot and hunt and all that, you understand it. You can explain it better than I do. But I'm preaching and you're not, so you'll have to listen to me. So Roy Roy Weatherby comes up with this, and this is one of the first ones that he begins to work on. Well, Brother Branham wanted one of those, but the Weatherby gun was very expensive, still is. So, Brother Ram said that, you know, if many people knew that he wanted that gun, that they would buy one for him. But he said, I couldn't let him do that. I couldn't let him do that, buy that, you know, that kind of a gun. So, somebody, Brother Art Wilson, a guy from California, had given Billy Paul a 257 Roberts. Now, this was a Winchester, Model 70 Winchester. Billy Paul's left handed, and this gun was a right handed gun. So, it had a bolt on this side. Billy Paul couldn't use it. So, this man told Brother Brim, and said, Brother Branham, why don't you let me take that rifle and let me cause he's so weathery, let me send it to the Weatherby factory in California, Southgate California, and I will have them to rebore that gun. Now, he said, it'll cost you about $30 to do it, but I'm a dealer. I can have it done for about 10 That's all it'll cost. And he said, they guarantee it. Roy Weatherby guarantees that it will work. Well, he said, oh, well, okay if you can do that. Billy Paul gave him the gun. So he said, all right. Oh, blah, 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 blah. He said he gets it back. He's so happy. Oh, he's so tickled with the gun. Well, he shot a few shells, and he noticed that part of the, the blowback on the power of the headspace, what well, is called the headspace. So here you take Bing with the bolt action, you put the, you put the shell inside of there for you sisters maybe some of y'all might know more about than I do. So you take the cartridge and you put it inside of there and then you pull the bolt down and it locks and whenever it locks there's not supposed to be any headspace in between to where you put it down and whenever you pull the trigger but Brother Bear noticed there was some blowback on there and he shot a couple of different ones and then he winds up shooting another and what he does the gun totally blows up now, the Winchester Model 70, it was designed to be able to hold about 68, 6,900 pounds of pressure. So, this bullet actually exploded. The barrel went out to the 50 yard line to scope and behind him. There was a circle of metal laid in around his eye, his head bleeding, his eye bleeding, all this going on. So, Brother Branham then gets the idea, the inspiration of the Lord, to start preaching these sermons on letting off the pressure. Now, he sees a parallel of how that had that been a Weatherby gun. Now, one reason that Weatherby is higher is because it's like in the rest of these names, you're paying for it. You can get a purse at Big Lots that looks like a name brand mall purse and because it, it do not have that name on it, you're always going to pay more for the name. So, when Roy Weatherby attached his name to any of these guns, it's always going to shoot up in price. So, you know, that you look at this and you see that if this gun had have come from the Weatherby dies and it had have been made in the Weatherby factory out of this steel that would have met their specifications for their ballistics, for their back pressure, for their head pressure, for all the steel and so on and so on, then it would have been totally different. But this was a 257 Roberts, which was made by Winchester Auto 70. Now the ballistics are different. The range is different on the trajectory. A 257 Roberts will go out so far and then it'll cross, you know, the line of fire and it'll start going down very, very fast. 27, 257 Weatherby Magnum. No comparison between the two cartridges except the bullet itself will look the same. Use a plastic nozzle partition or whatever more you'd use on the end of it. But Roy Weatherby began to look at this and understand power and ballistic. So in 1948, went into gun making business commercially, and people began to bet. Well, people just began to go crazy over this gun. They absolutely loved it, which made the prices go up even higher. And Brother Branham did not want one, but he did want one. But he did not want the original because the price was too high. So then somebody else offered to make Bride out of a church member. I, I mean, offered to make a. Yeah. I offered to make a, 270, a 257, whether well, it be Magnum, out of, a, out of a 257 Baptist. I, I mean, Roberts. Now you see, Winchester would have stood behind that gun because they were the ones who made it and with the ballistics and the range and the velocity and the power and so on and so on, they was absolutely good with their gun, but yet whenever it was sent to Weatherby, and then it was not from the foundation, being made a Weatherby and the Weatherby dies from the Weatherby factory from the Weatherby approved steel from the Weatherby approved wood and screws and springs and so on and so on and so on so they take that gun because even though the 257 Roberts is a 25 caliber bullet, there is a great difference in the size of the shell itself. Because remember the 257 Weatherby is a 30 caliber, which comes from the 375 h and H&H. H&H stands for Holland and Holland. So they took this big gigantic elephant gun type of shell, and they necked the top part of it down so small that you could put a twenty five caliber bullet. So it looks, you know, like a twenty five six on steroids. So you got this great big old bullet and you got all this powder and you got this little bitty caliber, but it works great for pronghorn antelope, mule deer, all kinds of 400 and so under that and, and weight. And oh my, the trajectory is so flat, eight hundred yards if you're a good shot. But yeah, you take a 257 Roberts, there's no way. You can see why that, that a hunter would want it less recoiled, all the positive things about it. So you would want a real good Christian gun, I mean, good shooting gun like that. I mean, you'd want one that had real long range and you'd want one that wasn't up and down, up and down, up and down, in and down, up and down, up and down. You'd want one that had good Holy trajectory and, and one that had real good velocity and the head spacer's rider right. I mean who wouldn't want a good Holy Ghost a Christian like that I mean I mean whether it be magnum like that but if you get one you're going to, have to pay the price or it'll blow up on you now you see the elect of God They are made from the dyes of the original word. They are made from the material, the logos. They are made from the original thoughts of God's thinking as to what a woman ought to be what a bride ought to be and there is pressure now remember we're talking about all this pressure of how that it builds up inside of this gun and the and the, the recoil of it you sister don't know what that means that's how bad it kicks and you know depending on the amount of pressure and all that goes on inside of their mind, it can kick you so hard it can leave bruises all over your arm bruises all over your shoulder but it has a lot to do with the power that's on the inside of that shell or of course you can shoot a 22 and just punk on 10 cans and bust pop bottles if that's what you want to do but to me I'm one to hunt devils so I want something that'll reach out there and touch the old boy don't you I want something praise God I don't want a little BB gun where I gotta just pop the devil and run and hide I want something that'll reach out there and burn his hide it'll move so fast and hit him that'll never even know what hits him well, praise be to God, but yet now, when you try to replicate such an item unless it comes from the original dies, then the pressure which would be associated with a two fifty seven weather be magnum, and this gun was not made from the original to be that, but you go ahead and bore it out. Now what they had to do is actually bore the barrel in order for the the bullet, the shell to be able to fit inside of it because the two fifty seven Roberts is smaller in size. So you have to bore it out and it was made originally where it would be one turn for an inch for every 20 seconds as it goes out. How that it would spin as it would come out of there. The velocity and the way that it would turn. So whenever they sent it over and my Roy Weatherby said yeah it'll work. It'll work. And they said we can do it. Well it seemed like it was working for a while. Uh, they, they was in church for a bit and, and Brother Branham shot them and my they seemed like they was doing pretty good but then Brother Branham reached over and got an another shell and put inside it. Amen. I wish y'all preached with me tonight. And, uh, but something happened all of a sudden and he finds himself with bits and pieces of that gun and part of it here, part of it there, and part of it somewhere else. Why? Because it could not take the constant buildup of pressure. Now he says they sent the gun, they took the pieces and put it back together as best they could and they sent it back to Roy Weatherby and they looked at And tried to understand, and he said that they simply made a mistake, but they never would own up to it. He said, But I think it was the headspace. Well, you know, I kind of think sometimes that that's a lot of folks' problem today we're living in. It's their headspace. Many of them have their head too much in space, many of them's got too much space up in their head they got a lot of idle time and they think about this and that and the other when they ought to be thinking on whatsoever things are lovely and whatsoever things are of a good report. Oh, hallelujah. So a lot of it still is the headspace. Praise be to God. Now, you can imagine as this nearly cost or could have cost Brother Ranami's servant, one of the doctors, when he went into the emergency room and they began to doctor him, and one of the doctors told him, he said, the only thing you can say is the mercy of God spared the the life of his servant. Now, here Brother Ranami is right in the middle of this 6,900-pound explosion. What's the weather would be magnet, probably even more than that. Because as it goes, the bullet itself, the trajectory pushes it forward the bullet's doing what it's supposed to do but the gun cannot take this extreme build up of pressure. So what does it do? Well part of the gun goes this way, part of it goes toward the Methodist part of it goes to thinking back about being a Baptist, part of it goes back to drinking, part of it goes back to smoking part of it goes this way and that way that's why they go every direction and still ain't going nowhere Come on now friends, let's be honest let's look at those who've left the message of the hour and show me a half a dozen of them if you can that are filled with the Holy Ghost. Show me a half a dozen of them who pray, read the Bible consecrated Christians that are really where they need to be. Come on, don't get quiet on it. Why? Because they cannot take the pressure of what it takes to be a real word believer. They blow up under the pressure. They can't take it. Let's just be honest. They can't take it. I can't help it if it's some of your family or my family or whoever's family it is. You and I cannot make them a real, genuine, Holy Ghost-filled Christian. Oh, my. Notice, Brother I'm said there's a pressure on the people today, and that pressure has no limitation or any denominational lines. It has no age line. It has no respect of persons. It's on young and old, good and bad. It's on everybody. Pressure everybody's just becoming a neurotic age everything's all built up haven't got no time and that builds up to a place that it breaks up things it causes people to have hard feelings when they snap them off and they say things you don't mean to say now everybody's guilty of it Uh, 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 should I say it? should I say what the tapes say? guilty you're all guilty we do things under pressure that we wouldn't do otherwise So there's an excess pressure build up today. And I believe before I go any further, I might say this, I believe it's the enemy coming down and pressing. Now notice he just said prior to this that he believed it was the coming of the Lord. And both of these answers are exactly right. Because when God comes down, Satan comes up. And what does that do? Catches the world in the middle with more pressure. So we have not only, thank God, had the visitation of a prophet of God and the opening of the word, But with that coming of the supernatural, it creates more pressure. Whenever the seals, oh my, come open in 1963, don't you understand what that done to hell? Do you think that's going to cause such an uproar in hell, and hell not make you pay for what God has done? What's he going to do? He's going to come back against you with more pressure, more stress, and strain. But I say, come on, devil. Come on, devil. Brother Gene Terrell told me the other day in the hospital, going through this and going through that and the other, said he just told the devil, Satan, is that the best you can do? <laughs> is that all you got? Is that the best you could do? Oh, my. Notice he said, I believe it's the enemy coming down, pressing. I believe it's the devil. And we know the coming of the Lord is at hand. So the devil is pressing against the people. And God is pressing against the people. And you're in the middle between the press. Oh my. And we know the coming of the Lord is at hand. the Bible says in the last days, the devil would go about like a roaring lion. If he could get you under pressure, hurrying, running over something, you'll make decisions that you wouldn't make. If you'd sat down and think it over. Now, you know, as Brother Brandon was shooting this, and he saw that powder release, Brother Skip, coming out from that head pressure, he said, I should have known better. I know better, but he said, I'm so excited about that gun. It nearly cost him his life. Now, I realize some of you just going to go into tizzy fits whenever you, whenever, Brother Donnie, you are not saying, you are not saying, Brother Branham was a man. I am. Yeah. I know folks have got upset at me for years and years saying I make Brother Branham a man but they're totally wrong. I didn't make Brother Branham a man. God did. God did. Now Brother Branham notice Brother Branham was a marksman friend. Brother Branham knew guns. He knew ballistics. He knew head pressure. He knew all of that. But yet he was so excited about getting this gun back that he looked at this and knew something wasn't right. And he put one more in it to fire it. And when he did it nearly took his life. Well I tell you one thing. I can learn by that myself. I hope you can as well. That whenever we can get so excited. Either in a way or a negative way and we get all tore up about something and the spirit of God is saying pay attention, pay attention watch this, look at that don't let your excitement override the knowledge and the wisdom of God Amen. oh my if you can get you under pressure hurrying, running over something you'll make decisions you would not make if you'd sat down and think it over now, what a Brother Randall and Brother Gene would have actually looked at that gun and went back and he said, I knew them loads were all hand loaded. I knew they were road loaded for the proper ballistics and the proper amount of pressure. I knew. You sisters that don't understand, you've got to put so much powder in it. If you put too much powder, it'll cause it to blow up. If you don't put enough powder, you won't get the velocity and the speed and the knockdown once it gets there. It don't do any good to be able to throw a bullet out there 700 yards if whenever it gets there, it goes... So you want something that when you throw it out there, it'll knock an animal down. I seen a guy today to be able to do it so I could just refresh my memory. And I pulled it up on YouTube with a guy shooting a mule deer 420 yards of the 257 and the deer never even knew what hit him. Seconds, he actually got hit before you could hear the sound. He was dead. Well, I hate to let the devil know it, but we're having his funeral already. He's dead. He just don't know it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. He is defeated. Your enemy is under your feet. He just don't know it yet. Woo. My, we're living in a day of much pressure everywhere. Everybody is so tense. And down the street with a hot rod, they can't wait for the stoplight. you know. They run over you. They're not going anywhere, not at all, not going. They're just as hard as they can race. But racing towards eternity is all I know. And they have to watch this way and that way. There's two classes of people live down there. That's the quick and the dead. Them that ain't quick, die quick. My, dangerous to be safe these days. It's hurrying, racing, the quick and the dead. (laughs) But my friends, are we left in this chaos without a city of refuge? Are we left without a place for us as the people of God to be able to run to in the time of such stress and heartache and trouble? Listen to this as he's dealing with this. In the Old Testament, there was a time when a man could build up pressure. And that was when he'd done something wrong. If he shed innocent blood, well, then he was on the run. Because as soon as that man was killed, the wrong that he did, the man he'd done the wrong to, some of his people would hunt him. till he found him. Now, remember, the man is absolutely guilty, but completely innocent. It'll hit you about 3 o'clock in the morning. The man is guilty of taking another man's life, but innocent of murder. He never premeditated. He took this man's life, but it was by accident. He never thought it through. Can't you understand? And see you... The person you keep remembering doing all this stuff, it was not you the real seed you still trying to soar to it I've seen it on your faces Wednesday night some of you trying to sit here and swallow down what the Lord was saying to it and you're still trying to think of this you're thinking this is safe this ain't a bit more saved than it was when you come to the altar this is your enemy always has been, always will be until you are changed and you're just thinking that you, that real you has just been somehow forgiven of what you've done, no, that real seed of God never drunk in the first place. It never lied in the first place. That real seed of God is what's born again. It's not that same old man somehow reborn out. Don't you see what you've got the new birth? Many of you in your ideas, you've still got your concept of the new birth of taking a 257 Roberts to the Weatherby factory and boring it out.
1: It's not the new birth. The new birth is a Weatherby from the beginning.
0: It was never in the Winchester factory. Now, if you like Winchesters, that's fine and that's all right. I'm not against that. But if you want a Weatherby, get a Weatherby, pal. Don't just get your little scrolling tool and try to cover over that Remington or, you know, that savage sound. I'm going to mark that sound. I'm going to write Weatherby on. That's what we've done to a lot of so-called believers. We've had, accepted a lot of Church of Christ, a lot of Baptists, a lot of Presbyterians. They've come in and said among us. Hallelujah. Oh, they've accepted this doctrine, that doctrine, that doctrine, another doctrine. But when the pressure comes of living a bride life, living a bride revelation, my, they can't take it. Why? They're, they're nothing but just an impersonation of a Weatherby. But brother, sister, if you and I get poured from the very dyes of God and the very heat of that metal is poured into the dyes, amen, and there is a metallurgical reaction going on inside of that, you can take the pressure. Why? Because you was made from the factory to take the pressure. Can the bride take it brother Don? Yes, the bride can take the pressure of this age because she come from the dyes of God. But this is some of y'all's concept of the new birth. The preacher boxed you up, wrapped you up, sent you over to the church, to God, if possible, please rebore. P.S. I'm not sure if you can, but he's in bad shape. So here you come from the church. They glossed you, they blued you, they shined you up. Well, he's a Christian. We board him out. Praise God! He'll last at least one or two shells. Now let me ask you something. Okay, we're we're hunting up in um, we're hunting up in Alaska. We're hunting uh, sheep, and all of a sudden we turn around and there is a seven and a half foot grizzly. Do you want a savage? with a weatherby name on it. <laughs> Do you want a pop gun? You know what the little pop guns is? Any, any you boys, or, or me and get them when you as a little? Had a little string on the end of it with a cork, and you put that cork in there.
1: All right, Mr. Grizzly, come on, buddy!
0: Right. If I'm hunting with you, don't look for me, I'll be gone. You look for me over yon mountain was Brother Donnie burning the wind. Last time I seen him going that way. If that's your ammo and that's the way you're going to protect me, no way buddy. I ain't going hunting with you. If I'm going with these grizzlies, I want big guns. And I want somebody that can't do all the talking of ballistics and velocity. I want to see how they shoot. Pray. I've hunted with enough guys to know boy they can sit around and brag around the campfire, brag around this and that and the other. And I've seen some of them shoot before. And you think, boy, I wouldn't want them on my side. Amen. The deer's safe as long as them guys are here. The bears ain't got nothing to worry about. Don't worry guys, you're in good hands this week. I'll tell you one thing. I'd rather have somebody that's cross-eyed, one leg longer than another, deaf out of one ear, two fingers missing on one side, thumb missing on another. But when he laid down that baby cross him hard, down. oh hallelujah! Them crosshairs on that devil's hide, and he squeezed that trigger off the devil. Wah! Hit him again! Wah! That's a man I want on my side. Hallelujah! Yeah. Let me tell you something, friend. We ain't just got words. We ain't just got action, but we got ammo, and we got a rifle that's zeroed in. Jesus weather be magnum. It comes from the dies of God, original power, original seed. <clears throat> <clears throat> of course, some of you would rather have a theologian. Now the ballistics of the right hand to the left hand are the velocity of the... Most of the time when them guys face a grizzly, they're... <laughs> I'd rather be able to be with somebody who understands the application of velocity in ballistics than knows the science of it. I'd rather have saints of God in this place right here that want the power of God in your lives. I'd rather have saints of God in this place that love the Lord, love His Word, and want to see Him the same yesterday, today, and forever than just a bunch of message theologians, and we can talk this and talk that, and ain't got no power to back it up. Oh, come on, children, and it ain't gonna do no good as long as I'm the only one that wants it, or me and three or four or more. It's gotta be us as a body that we don't want just the ballistics of the message, we don't want just the trajectory and how it's supposed to fly, how it's supposed to do this. I want to see it work. I want to see it work. When I put the scope on it and I pull the trigger, amen, I want to see it do it and if it don't, I want to know why it didn't do it. <sighs> oh my. <sighs> my, Brother Bam said, they would hunt this man till they found him there. He'd kill him. Tooth for a tooth, eye for an eye. And you see a man has no place to stop if he'd done something accidentally. Of course, the people wouldn't believe it. He'd have to take off because just as soon as he did this, the relatives of this man or woman, whoever it was, they started hunting him. And when they found him, it was tooth for a tooth, eye for an eye. That's the way they lived. So he couldn't stop nowhere. He was a fugitive. He didn't know what to do. He was on the run. A very type of today. I think that's what's causing so much pressure. Oh my goodness. Now he doesn't say, Brother Phil, they are on the run. But we're on the run. But Brother Donnie, I, I, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. You're still running from the old man. You still can't accept the fact that God has annihilated him. You're afraid he's a ghost somehow that's going to stand there as a witness against you.
1: How can he?
0: He is annihilated Are you guilty? Of course, in your mind you are, in your memory you are, but as far as God is concerned, you're innocent. So this man, your imagination would take off, but the David may be miles. He's out on the other side of the jurisdiction of this house of safety. And he takes off him and this brother, cousin, uncle, friend, whatever was working. All of a sudden the man dies. He ain't got time to go to apologize to the family. He ain't even got time maybe to go apologize to his wife. Because they live back that way and the house of refuge is this way. With everything that's in him, he's got to get there or he'll die. What are they going to think? Oh, who's going to send him a message? They didn't have text. They didn't have Instagram. But it's either get there or die. If they come out to bring lunch and they find him dead, they'll never believe it was a mistake. And just him leaving the scene is going to look like he's guilty. But there's only one thing he can do if he wants to live. And that is run for the city of refuge. What's my wife going to say? What's my mama going to say? What's this one going to say? There was one thing that mattered. I've got to get that. When people get that desperate for God, we'll see some change. Well, I I don't know, but ain't ain't Lucy Bell and and, and, and Uncle George. And what about Uncle George? Nothing. If you get that desperate for God and you realize I've got to get to that city or I'll perish, we'll see real changes in the lives of individuals. You imagine the stress and every person he'd see along the way, every noise behind him, every camel, every donkey, whatever it was coming behind him, and he knows he's running. He's stressful. He's running. He's running. He has no food. He has no water. He feels like he's going to die. His heart is racing. His blood pressure is fluctuating. His mouth is so dry. He says, God, I want to die.
1: But all of a sudden, there it is. Hebron.
0: Hebron. If I can make it there. They've got water in Hebron. They've got salvation in Hebron. I'll be declared innocent. In Hebron. Out here, I'm still guilty. Do you understand that this man could have come right to the gate and camped outside the gate and stayed outside the gate? Well, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm working my way back in. I'm just one day at a time. I'm just working my way back in. I'm going to quit this and I'm going to quit that. And then every day I quit something, I'm going to move up five more feet. And then whenever I quit that, I'm going to move up five more feet. And I'm just working my way back in, working my way back in. Go ahead. And that avenger of the blood will catch you on the outside. You might be right in five feet, dist- within five feet distance of the gate. You can be right there. Salvation be right on the other side of the gate. And you're trying to work your way in. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to plan. You're trying to reason. You're trying to use your intellect. It's based upon one thing You believe what God said Amen. How can you believe That a man would be saved If he get in behind the gate You've got to have faith Because God said it Amen. You know how long that man was safe You know how long he was safe As long as he stayed in the city If he stepped outside the city gate And the avenger of the blood was there. By law, he could take his life. You know how long you're safe? As long as you're in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know how long he had to stay? Until the death of the high priest. Once the high priest died, he was totally released. Oh, <laughs> it's God. Amen. Then he could go back to Revelation 21, home. Oh, yeah. Praise be <laughs> to God. You imagine living in this city of refuge. Couldn't go here, couldn't go there. People look at, Oh, you all can't go out to this and that and the other. Y'all can't drink. Y'all can't smoke. Y'all can't run around. To them, it looks like we're in bondage. They don't understand. If we go outside this city, we perish the way they do. To them, it may look like a prison. To them, it may look like we are captured. To us, it is life. If I leave this city, I die. If I leave the jurisdiction of my high priest. I will perish Amen. hallelujah but my high priest gave his life for me so I could have a city of refuge now and one forever in the hereafter Praise God. Wow, how it must have been. This man runs. He walks. And he gets almost down to crawling. And he finally makes it in. Mercy! Have mercy!
1: I didn't mean to do it. I was trapped into it. I didn't mean it. Let me come
0: in. Come in, brother. And they look right behind him. Oh, I didn't know he was that close. I wonder how close he was to some of us before the mercy of God swung open his doors. But they pull him inside the doors are slammed in the devil's face.
1: Amen. <sniffs> yeah, he paces and marches and walks back and forth.
0: I'll wait. I know how he is. He'll have to come out for a drink. He'll have to get a cigarette. He'll have to come out. That's what we thought about some of you all. He didn't realize once you got in, they branded you. You got the seal of the Holy Ghost. the desire to smoke went out the gate. The desire to get drunk went out the gate. It left. So you don't want to go out the gate no more. You're already sealed in the presence of God. In the city of refuge.
1: Praise God. Praise
0: God. And you can imagine then when we... Are moved from this world and actually transported into that glorious city of God. Satan has been in heaven. Satan has been in front of the throne of God. But not Satan or one demon has ever set a foot inside that new city. Off-limits, no trespassing. If trespassing, we'll shoot. Amen. Praise God. Think of it. He's never been able to mar that precious streets of gold, those gates of pearl. It's waiting for you. You finally reached your city of refuge. Brother Charlie Cox come down here years ago whenever I first came here preached for us. Many of you probably remembered. He said, Brother Donnie, you've been a country boy. I'm just so surprised that they was able to talk you into moving into, city, into the city, Johnson City. I said, Brother Charlie, I'm trying to get ready for city dwelling. <laughs> but it ain't Johnson. I'm not saying there won't be some Johnsons there now. <laughs> I'm looking for more than Johnson City. Praise God. I'm looking to where the Lamb will be the light. And we won't be running for our lives. And we won't be fearful. We won't get up of the day because we won't lay down at night. There's no beds in heaven. All you brothers enjoy your recliners now. There are no lazy boys there. Either the flesh kind or the leather kind. You'll never have a bed. You'll never lay down and take a nap. Can you imagine? Energy that you see in a little kid. I seen a little kid the other day. It was, man, that little kid was wide open. His daddy said, oh my. I said, boy, what we could get out of that if we could bottle that energy and sell it. But you imagine divine energy to where you never even just get the least bit... None of us, out of the millions of people, will never even... I do it all the time. I'm a sighing person. Carol say, what's that sigh about? <laughs> you know, imagine we'll be sigh-free, cry-free, blind free, cry free, free debt-free, worry-free, stress-free, trouble-free. Praise God. And if you get on understand it. Your soul has already tonight by the baptism of the Holy Ghost moved into the city of refuge. Jesus Christ. Don't you love him? You remember Caleb actually was not a Jew. Caleb was given a part with the tribe of Judah. But Caleb was of the Kennozites not Jews but those which were migrated in the Gentiles migrated in many of them went to the tribe of Judah praise part of his inheritance was what the land of Hebron the city where God came down in the days of Abraham and made himself known in flesh also the burying place of Job, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's the Gentiles' inheritance. You have a city of refuge. You know what the name Caleb means, right? Dog. Dog. He ate of the crumbs until he become converted. Then he got the platter. Are some of y'all satisfied eating crumbs tonight, go right ahead. Why in the world would I want to eat crumbs? I've got a big piece of bread and a big old slab of butter there. Honey laying over on the side. Green peas, green beans, broccoli, which is yours, and ain't mine. <clears throat> All that stuff's laying there on the side everywhere. My, why in the world would I want to be down on the floor under the table? I thought, but Brother Donald, that woman in the Bible, she wasn't born again. You're misappropriating and misapplying God's word if you think that's the way it applies to you today as a child of God. He spent much of your life and my life trying to get us out of that mindset that we are slaves and that we don't deserve these things. Why don't we deserve them? He, we are His family. Amen. He has redeemed us from that darkness that we were in. Hallelujah. We are washed. We are sanctified. We are justified. We are the wife of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Oh, don't you appreciate Him? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we just raise our hands? Tell me, how does it feel to be in the city of refuge tonight? Praise God when insanities all around us everywhere, denominational nonsense all around us everywhere, political turmoil, religious turmoil, all the things going around and here we sit tonight in Christ Jesus. Praise God our souls feasting on heavenly matter. Thank you Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you. I never remember the prophet said it over and over again, time and time again. He said, now we've heard this this hard cutting sermon. He said, now that the word has come, let us worship. I know some of you are ready to go to the house as soon as I say amen. You need to reread the message. You're wrong. I said, you are wrong. Worship follows the preaching of the word. That's right. He's speaking to us by His word. Then worship is what we can give back to Him—love and adoration. You know, imagine that man going in, and sitting out. Oh, well, you mean they locked the door behind me? Well, I, oh, you mean that? Don't know I'm saved. I gotta, I gotta stay inside this message. I, I mean, this city of refuge, and I gotta. Well, that ain't fair. You mean I gotta listen to this guy all the time? I, I've gotta live in this city. I, I I've got. I imagine he was so happy when he got up in the morning. Praise! I'm alive! I'm alive! I still don't understand that I am totally guilty but I am totally innocent. I am totally guilty. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to do it. But according to the law of God, the Word of God says as long as I am here, they cannot take my life. I am decreed innocent as long as I am here. Praise be to God! Oh, I can just think in my own heart, brother, sister, how that every person that ran to enter this place, they was so happy and so grateful and rejoiced day in and day out for the mercy of God. Let's sing something together, shall we? Lead us, Harry. What about some of you who fled? Not only did some of you flee being lost, you fled some denomination that had you bound up in that thing and your name on that old stock book. (laughs) Praise God. The Holy Ghost called you out of there and sent you into another city. A city of refuge. Let the people laugh. Let them make fun. Let them go by and ridicule and call your name on. Hey, you still in there? you you lost your freedom didn't you well I guess it depends on how you look at it I'm alive I know I'm alive I'm free hallelujah I should have died I should have been killed because I was guilty of those things but as long as I'm here
1: I am declared innocent praise God praise God thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus Yes, Lord, in the Oh, yes, Lord, say thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus hallelujah praise the Lord praise the Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord oh hallelujah we worship you tonight Lord Jesus surely you ain't done are you is this the best you can do no now come on now no 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 there's no way this is the best Happy Valley can do after the word God's given us for decades and decades of our life and we can give Him just a few minutes of praise and y'all ready to go to the house? Y'all ready to go down to Shoney somewhere and jaw and fuck them jaws of yours and talk about this and that and that? I, I, I don't believe that. No, 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 no. No, no. God requires more of us than that. He wants us to hang around a little longer and be able to love Him a little more. But Lord, I don't feel I praise Him. That's when it becomes a sacrifice of praise. Amen. That you raise your voice when you don't feel like it and you raise your hands when you don't feel like it. Y'all want me to preach just when I feel like it or when I don't too? Answer me. Y'all want me to preach whether I feel like it or not? Now is that fair? So when, how do y'all want to worship then? Just when you feel like it? Y'all want me to give my best when I don't feel like it, or you just want me to get through the service? Just kind of get through it and just give a fast version, and or you want me to do my best even when I don't feel good? Well, you folks are cruel. Well, guess what? I believe God expects the same from your part. And as your pastor, I know I do. Because I know you cannot sacrifice, and Him not bless you for your sacrifice. You cannot put forth an effort and God not move. Brother Ram talked about them Indians when he was up there in the North Country. And them having to ride horses and swim rivers and get kayaks and whatever more that they come across. And he said the reason that God blessed so much and done so many miracles was because of their effort to come to the house of God you imagine kayaking across a river and walking and all kinds of things to be able to come to the house of God. we got air-conditioned cars in the summertime, heated cars in the wintertime, air-conditioned building in the summertime, heated building in the wintertime. Come on, saints. Our problem is we've got it too good. Oh, my. Hallelujah. Oh, don't you love him? Don't you just love him? Friends, he's been so good to us. He's been so good to us. Let's sing it together again. Turn and shake somebody's hand. And tell them, I'm so glad to be a Christian. It was so good to be in the house of God. Let's sing it together again. Lead me to that rock. Oh, praise God. Somebody lead me to the
1: rock. It's high.
0: Anchored in Jesus. Pull that up our brother Daniel if you would for us. I've anchored in Jesus. I'm in the city tonight. Amen. Oh the devil stands on the outside come on out come on out you coward come on out you're scared too ain't you? You better believe I'm scared to meet him by myself. Call me a coward if you want to. He's greater than me. He's greater than you. I'm safe as long as I'm in the city of refuge. I ain't going out on their ground. You young people, stay away from the grounds of the devil. I'm going out to witness you leave their city, your your city, you're on your own grounds. Let's say where God's placed us. Upon life's boundless ocean Where mighty billows roll i fix my hope in Jesus Blessed anchor of my soul Glory to God One trials fierce assail me And storms are gathering more I'm gonna rest upon His
1: mercy and trust him
0: more you are ready now well I've anchored
1: in Jesus storm.
0: sent several trucks my way free trucks free gas free rental sitting right outside the gate of my safety you haul you move you destroy whatever you want to call it so you move out we've got this townhouse over here oh everything is so nice and so elaborate that's where the devil paints it for you anyhow And you get over it's a shanty on the side of the road and they running water is you run into the creek and back to get the bucket of water. That's the way he paints you lies though. Oh, come on out, come on out. You can do this and we'll give you this and that and the other. Hell waits on the other side of that U-Haul. Trouble waits on the other side of that U-Haul. So why do I tell him go on back to hell, U-Haul? FedEx, go on back to hell. UPS, go on back to hell. I ain't moving till Jesus moves me. Amen. Hey. I said, I ain't moving till Jesus moves me. And I'm waiting for that move. I guarantee you, brother, he's going to move me out of this world. Can we sing it together? How many feels that way tonight? Praise God. Oh, yeah, he sent a truck out there. Believe the sign. I wouldn't follow that. He sent another truck that's out there that had seven thunders marked on the side of it. I wouldn't load up in there. He sent another truck out there called this and that and the other tape only and returned minister. I refused every one of them. I'm just sitting on the inside eating and acting like i got good sin and I'm waiting on the coming of my Lord Jesus to come and take me away. Oh, you're just crazy. You're all locked up. Call me what you will. Say what you will. But I'm in the city of refuge, praise God. Outside of this city, I'm guilty. Outside of this city, I will die. Inside this city, I am forgiven. Inside this city, I am alive.
1: I'm in God's chosen place of Oh glory!
0: So you get up in the morning, the devil's got a whole string of you-hauls stuff that out there at the gate, say, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. No devil, I shall not
1: be, I shall not be moved, just like a tree. I Oh, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved just like a tree.